0: Uh, This is the Oracle Podcast with Ben Moa.
1: Welcome back to The Oracle. Today's episode we will be talking about forgiveness. So the Bible always tells us to love and to forgive our enemies. But how do you forgive someone that you already love? This can be a friend, a brother or sister, or maybe even a parent. In this episode, Anita Sabo will be sharing her story on forgiveness. Okay, my name is Anita Sabo, and I'm a teacher at Fraser Valley Advanced Academy. And I guess I would say I'm from New Mexico in the United States, uh, but I have uh, lived all over the world
0: yeah what are some of the places you've lived in
1: well after getting married we moved to ontario that was already a big step from for for an american from the south southwest but um, we moved uh, overseas uh, first to senegal in west africa we lived there for five years and then uh, we were working with the the seventh Avenue church there and then we transitioned into adra work in east timor which is an island. Um, near Australia and Indonesia. And then from there, um, we were there about four years, and then we were three years in Laos, which is near Thailand.
0: Wow. And uh, do you have like a favorite of anywhere
1: you've been? Oh, they're all my favorites for different reasons, but uh, it was really hard to leave Laos. I was mm-hmm. really, enjoy- I, I just felt maybe I didn't have enough time there as I wished.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, um, let's get into it. Um, I know you you and Pastor Luke, your husband, you guys have raised uh, three amazing children. Yes. I have been blessed to teach uh, Nicole, who's in grade 12, your oldest, mm-hmm. and your youngest, Sophie, who's in grade five. You have a son, Jeremy, grade nine, and uh, they're amazing kids. Uh, I've been blessed to know them and work with them, grow, see them grow spiritually. Um, and uh, I think you guys are amazing parents. I've always admired you too since I've met you guys, since I moved out to BC. Um, uh, but I know uh, for you growing up, and from what we've talked about outside of this, is that uh, the way you are with your kids wasn't necessarily what you experienced growing right, up. Right, right. Um, so yeah, like, what's your story? Where did you come from? What was your upbringing
1: like? Okay, so um, I was uh, raised in a basically a non-Christian home at the beginning. Uh, my mother started coming in and out of different churches when I was quite young, um, and the Adventist Church was one of them. And um, my parents divorced already when I was five, and, um, and so it was kind of back and forth between my father and my mother and a grandmother who kind of was stepping in at times as well. Um, what we didn't know was, um, how could I put this? Um, I guess we, we knew as a family what was going on with my father. Um, we, his alcoholism was a big problem for the family. Um, There's a lot of details. It's hard to get the whole story down in the amount of time we have, but (laughs) Um, the divorce um, was kind of the end of something that needed to be ended. For me, I was just five, and I just remember my dad telling me about the divorce. And I remember exactly where I was standing. I remember the way he was kneeling down next to me. But it was almost a relief to hear. Um, It was sad. I remember crying. And thinking, does that mean I don't get to live with you anymore? That was hard, but it needed to be ended.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, so moving forward, uh, how did that affect all your relationship with both your parents, knowing that? They were together were you closer to one parent or
1: no in fact were... the courts would try and push me and my older sibling to really make a decision as to which parent they would seclude us and ask us no really tell us <laughs> mm-hmm. do you want to live with your mother or your dad uh, and we just really couldn't make that decision our, our father would pressure us on the one side to make a decision um, but we just we were we just were in between uh-huh. I think the best thing that could have happened to us was that my grandmother took us for a while, mm-hmm. and that was good.
0: And so how long did you live with your grandmother?
1: Um, it's hard to think. Probably at least a year and a half or so. Mm-hmm. And then um, we started this, this custody thing that would be one year with my dad, one year with my mom. And I don't know what the courts were thinking, but they never managed to get the court date during the summer. So it was always like you'd start the school year two months or three months in was the court date, and then we'd switch to go to the other parent Wow. yeah so I went to so many I know all the schools in Albuquerque (laughs) (laughs) I was a student at all of them Um, always the new girl always trying to fit in by the time we went back to the other parent they had moved to a new school district so it was always a new school every year twice a year sometimes most times yeah and then as I got older um, we kind of well, I should say my father kind of made the decision. He, I think, knew at a point he wasn't going to get custody because of his lack of employment and different things that were going on in his life. And he kind of said, why don't you guys just stay with your mom now? And and we were OK with that. And so we, we stayed with her for a, quite a few years up until um, my mother kind of joined the Adventist Church by this time. I was like late middle school, and my sister was in high school and when she joined the church, she, I guess, kind of fell into a more strict um, lifestyle, stricter than a lot of Avenist. And so it made it really difficult for us. It was it was a big switch from us being able to do whatever we wanted to suddenly um, this level of strictness. And so it, it it threw my my sister off, and she really couldn't couldn't, um, find herself living by those rules. And so she decided to go back and live with my dad. So, yeah, that was hard. I had always followed her around. It was always, uh, I was kind of her tail. <laughs> mm. But I had to make a decision at that time. I was, in, I was going on to high school. That would have been my ninth grade year. And I had to decide. And I just couldn't see myself living with my father. And his, his, his alcoholism was a huge problem for me. And I just, um, I finally decided to stay with my mom. And then after about a year in public school there, she sent me away to an Adventist uh, boarding academy in Oklahoma. Uh,
0: and so then your, your sister lived with your your dad and you lived with your mom. And so that's kind of what well, kind of, I guess, brought you down the line of Adventism.
1: Right, for sure.
0: Uh, and so. Um, did you ever communicate much with your sister and your father? after that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I wasn't uh, allowed at that point to go for weekends anymore like I used to. My mom really wanted me to make a decision either to live this way or not. So and, and it was it was true at that age. I wouldn't have been able to to keep my values as an Adventist if I was staying with my dad, even on, even on weekends. So mm-hmm. we would have some day visits and just um, smaller visits. Sometimes staying for a weekend on on bigger occasions and that, but not on a regular basis like I had used to do. And
0: so you uh, made the choice to stay with your mom because you knew it was better for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, on one level, I just couldn't handle the stress of being in a home with an alcoholic. It just caused anxiety that was so hard to deal with for me.
0: Uh What was the kind of like the outcome of his alcoholism and how he was like. how did that affect you?
1: Yeah, I guess, you know, different people are affected different way by alcohol. But for him, it was a way of life. It was what he drank when he first woke up in the morning. There was not the water or juice or even coffee to start the day. It was it was taking a couple of swigs from a from a, a liter in the in the fridge. So it was hard to even really know what he was like when he wasn't drunk it would be early hours in the morning um, where we'd see him at his natural state, <laughs> his real natural state. So, but I, I liked his natural state. It was a good state. Um, he, was, he had some goodness to him even, even once he was drunk, and, and it, but it really showed when, when he wasn't, which was rare, like I say, early in the morning. But um, yeah, his, his alcoholism caused him to get angry easily. Um, He was physically abusive to all the to my mother and all the other women that he was ever with in his life. Um, Not to me physically or any other way except for emotionally. For me he was abusive emotionally Um, and yeah that uh, that was just not something I could I could I could live with. Um, When I had to make that decision whether to follow my sister to live with my dad or or not. That was the end of my eighth grade year. We were approaching um, the one year we would be together in high school, my sister and I. Mm-hmm. She would be a senior, I would be a freshman. We had been looking forward to that for a long time. So it was it was hard decision, but I remember actually having um, what later I found out was an anxiety attack over it. Oh. Yeah, my parents had, had, we planned a meeting and we were gonna all sit down in my dad's living room and we were gonna talk about this. Um, so we we sat there and um as my sister stated what she was going to do i just started felt like i couldn't breathe i felt like just heaviness on me and i went outside um i said I'm sorry i then i went outside and just kind of leaned against a a storage shed and just um, like sat there on the floor and just felt like i couldn't breathe i felt this heaviness and um they both parents came out and just tried to relax me and calm me down and said, it's okay. Both of them were saying, it's okay, you can make whatever decision you want. We'll both respect that. And that was very important to me because I needed to hear that from my dad, uh, that I had his permission to not want to live with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I made that decision. And um, right away, I started being able to breathe better and <laughs> relax. and. My dad kind of took me for a little walk around the neighborhood just to, just to calm me down. And, and then we went in and we said, "Yep, yeah, I'll go live with my mom and my sister will live with my dad. And
0: so like looking back, um, you are hurt by your father. hmm You are hurt by your father. Yeah. And uh, emotionally and through his choices and everything. Um, how were you able to forgive him?
1: well i guess i didn't realize that i hadn't forgiven him for many years um one other thing maybe i should state is that um, when i was about a year old he had a baby with another woman so even though my parents didn't divorce till i was five we kind of always knew there was a uh, another family um so that was always something that (sighs) I had a hard time with, I feel maybe I kind of took a bit of that, um, what you call it, um, not anger, but just resentment out on that one sister, which of course is not her fault any more than it is any, any of anyone else's fault except for my father's. So, um, yeah. I think it was in that that I finally realized there shouldn't be any animosity uh, on my part towards her. And if I'm still carrying that, it must be a problem with my dad still. And so when I was, this is not many years ago, very, very adult (laughs) life, um, came across a woman who explained to me um, about these issues of forgiveness and we were talking about some of these things, and she said, "You know, I think I think there's um, there's need for forgiveness towards your father." And for me, I was like, "No, I forgave him. I'm okay." <laughs> but um, she she kind of showed me that I I wasn't okay because of it, that I was still holding things, and even though I feel I forgave him now, you know, it's emotional for me to even talk about this because. Certainly there's still a part of me that has a hard time forgiving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So like she gave you like an outline step. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have like, do you like know a summary or could you summarize some of Yeah. For,
1: like, so she goals? gave me this five-step process and I really don't even know, you know, where she got it from. I don't think it's something she had um, come up with, but something she had found in, in different counseling uh, and that kind of stuff. So it's a five-step letter. You're to write towards the person you need to forgive. And um, boy, that was not easy to do. Uh, she said it would be hard, but I didn't know how hard it would be. Mm. It really is quite a thing to try and write a letter um, to someone that you need to forgive. Now in most cases, if you can, the idea of this is to write this letter and to read it to them. To read it to the person, to sit them down and read it to them. and and, and and, and then move on from there. Now, she said that in some cases, and of course, you're not going to want to do that. And uh, if, if, if anyone out there who's listening has someone they need to forgive, there's the case like mine. My father had already passed away. He passed away when I was 19. So obviously, I wouldn't be able to sit him down in a chair. And for that, she said, you need to just you know, do the imaginary chair, put an actual physical chair there, but imagine that he's sitting in it literally stand up lock the door be in a room with quote-unquote him and and read him this letter so for me that's what I needed to do but she did say that you know in in other cases even if people are still alive that you need to forgive it's possible that it's it's going to cause even more trauma to be with that person depending on what you're needing to forgive them for so if you're you're just not able to be with that person, then you would still do the imaginary chair, just like I had to do with, um, with my deceased father. But, um, but yeah, if it's someone that you are still having a relationship with, if you can actually read them this letter, it's, uh, it's very healing.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. So the summary, um, basically five steps. Um, she says. Um, the first uh, the first basically paragraph and my first paragraph was long a whole page <laughs> mm. but the first paragraph is um, write an accusatory letter stating all the incidences that had happened from the time you met them until today um, and don't she says don't let it either fatigue or time stop you from listing each incident until you're finished. Mm. So my whole letter is probably just, let me look here. It's probably two pages, not even two, two pages, maybe a page and a half. But that first paragraph is a whole it's page. Yeah, <laughs> it's a whole step. page. Mm. Yeah, and I'll just read you a little excerpt of what I wrote. Uh, it, it's too much to read and, and very personal, but I'll read you a bit of it. Um, I started, Dear Daddy, I know that you had a hard life. I know that you didn't have a dad to show you what a dad was supposed to be like. But daddy, you failed me. You let your addictions take over your life and you left me to be raised by others. And then uh, a ways down, I just highlighted the things I wanna share. I wrote, I needed you to show me you loved me by being there for me, awake and alert, not drunk and unable to function. I needed to know I was loved and wanted. And then here's my last, uh, that last one of that, page of paragraph I needed you to be well I needed you to get help for your addictions I needed you to love respect and accept me why did you leave me before you had a chance to do all that Hmm. Wow. yeah so that was my first step the second uh, of five like I said five five paragraphs let's say Um, continue to write and now, I forgive you. I forgive you for this and this and this, listing the offenses. Um, and, the, and then she, the instructions here say, you don't have to feel this part, you only have to mean it. Okay. So at this point, you might not really feel like those words mean anything to you, that you are forgiving. You're just writing those words down. Because you're not there yet. Once you get to the end of this process, may, you'll start feeling those things. But when you when you write them at the beginning, I know I, I felt like, what? These are not my words. I'm just writing. I forgive for this, for this, for this. But actually, I don't yet. So that, that was a, part, uh, a hard part to write. So the part number two, what I'm forgiving you for. So the parts I highlight here were, um, and now I forgive you, Daddy. Uh, And then I listed out some of the specific things. Um, Here's one I want to share. I forgive you for not getting help with your addictions. And especially, I forgive you for giving up on life and for drinking yourself to death. For leaving me to suffer the pain of losing you. I forgive you. I forgive you and I love you. And then so moving on to part three here. um, Continue to write um, um, my own name. And then I'm forgiving myself on this third part, okay? So forgiving myself for carrying all these things around, for letting it be garbage in my life for this long. So the third one, um, even before I read that, I just wanna say I was talking to one of my students, um, someone who's a non-Christian. So it's it's easy to say, oh, to a Christian person, well, you know, you gotta forgive others because mm-hmm. that's what God wants no. us to do. Yeah. and. Uh, forgives will be forgiven but to this person I needed to explain why he needed to forgive without the religious aspect and I came to the conclusion and what I what I told this person was you need to forgive because it's what's good for you it's it's a burden you're carrying you're hurting no one but yourself by not forgiving Um, and that's that's what what this part is about forgiving yourself for not letting go of that stuff earlier So this part, part number three, forgiving yourself. So I wrote, um, um, again, more, but I'm just going to share a bit. I wrote, Anita, I forgive you for carrying all this hurt and lack of forgiveness uh, towards your dad around with you all these years. Um, And then step four, continuing to write. um, We would write now, Lord God, I ask your forgiveness. Um, You instructed me to forgive in your word, and I haven't. Um, and, of course, in some cases, maybe people don't know that they were supposed to forgive. Maybe they're not even realizing that that's what God is calling them to do yet. So um, so that's, that's addressed here. So for part four, um, I wrote, Dear Lord, I didn't know I needed to forgive my earthly father. I didn't know that this was what was hurting me all these years. Please forgive me for not forgiving my daddy sooner. Forgive me for holding these things against him since his death and even before. Hmm. And then the last part was really tricky. <laughs> so um, now that we've done all that, the, la- the step number five is now that I have forgiven and have been forgiven, my life will be different now in the following ways. Okay. Um, so, so basically, um, how am I going to treat others differently? How am I going to react to others differently? How am I going to um, stop scapegoating on people for things that my own father did that now I project onto them? All these very difficult issues. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's it was quite quite a difficult thing for me to go through. I, I locked the door and I put the chair and I read the letter and what I was instructed to do was once I finish to literally cut off that last paragraph, which is the, what I'm going to do differently and keep it, save it somewhere, keep it in your Bible as a bookmark or whatever you want to do, the, what are you going to do differently? And the rest, burn it. So I I do have a copy here on my computer, so that's how I was able to still read it. But, um, the idea of burning it was just, a cleansing act, just setting it on fire, watching it disappear. Yeah, it was it was very powerful. Um, I was so thankful to this lady who introduced me to that, and I just think it made a huge difference on the way um, I was able to let go of a lot of hurt that I held for a long time.
0: Wow, wow, well, Anita, thank you so much. You're so strong. <laughs> no, I think you're so strong, even just for sharing that. And uh, the whole concept of forgiveness is so hard to even face, mm-hmm. uh, to engage with, and to actually follow through with. Oh, it's like people, it's not something that's easily done, no. as you know. No, it's not. Um, how did this um, this process and this situation with your father growing up, how did that affect you being a parent?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question. I guess I, you know, now that you had, you asked me that, you know, earlier when we were going into this, and I really haven't thought about that. I do know that I've kind of always said, this is where the cycle ends. You know, my father was raised by a single mother. Um, she probably didn't have all the tools she needed to raise him right. He definitely didn't have the tools he needed to raise me right. And, and I just... My husband and I both—we say that this is where the cycle ends. We are gonna do differently. We have to do differently. We can't just keep going in this cycle of um, neglect. And it's something that's, I guess, always been in the back of my mind. Maybe not on, not, uh, not consciously, but I've always, you know, thought I have to respect my children. I have to um, look for their needs the way I, um, you know, someone said that to me. Um, Oh, I think it was in the realm of teaching, though, I saw that, um, be the teacher you always needed when you were young. Mm. And I think it's the same thing for parents, be the parent you always needed when you were young. Wow.
0: Wow, so um, just in closing, thanks again. Everything you've shared, uh, it spoke to me directly, and I know it's speaking to many people, whoever's listening. What would you tell someone uh, that is experiencing some sort of level of what you experienced when you were growing up, when you were young?
1: Yeah, I mean, I know it's hard to tell a young person, you're in this now, it'll pass, you'll grow up, and you'll be able to move on, but it's true. (laughs) It's true. Our parents might not always be there for us, but God is. And I was just so lucky to to be able to depend on God, to be able to have, um, just that, that knowledge that I am loved by him and he will care for me no matter what. And, um, to any of you who are experiencing the pain of a parent that isn't there for you, I understand. (laughs) I know what that feels like. And, uh, I'm just so sorry that you're in that situation. But God loves you and he is the ultimate parent. He cares so much about you and he will help you through this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Oracle. If you have any questions or suggestions, message The Oracle Podcast on Facebook or Instagram and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. More stuff on the way. Stay blessed.